So a little trigger warning here. If you have a problem hearing people chew or talking about chewing food, you know, just know we're going to be talking about that here. Because the verb that is here about eat my flesh and drink my blood is very much a very graphic, very visceral kind of verb. Because Greek has different verbs for different things, but this one is very much like chomping, chewing, ripping. I read a commentator who was talking about the eating of dried fish. He, he grew up in Alaska, and one of the things that sustained native people in Alaska for, well, to this day even, is dried fish. You catch fish in the summer when it's nice, and you dry it out, and, and then you, that sustains you through the wintertime. And dried fish, it's not like a nice flaky cracker. You literally, apparently, need to you know, gnaw on it add saliva to it, chomp on it with your molars. And this is the kind of language that that is used here about eating Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood. So is it no wonder that the early people who heard about these people who followed Christus, who became Christians, that they thought that they basically, you know, sacrificed humans because they kept talking about eating the flesh and drinking the blood of Jesus. And so if you just came to this as someone who didn't know anything about church, anything about the Gospels, any of that, you'd be like, whoa, this is some weird stuff going on right here. This sounds like satanic worship to me, not, not some sort of wonderful, holy opening up sort of thing. But you have to understand, again, that's, that's part of the context here. That's why, that's why the Bible isn't just a book that you just jump in and go, oh, I'm just going to read this verse and I'm going to get everything I need for the day. That's why you've got to be in the Word, chewing on it, chomping on it, you know, using your molars, adding saliva to it, ruminating on it. If you were a cow, you'd have a cud, you'd pop it back up in your mouth. I told you, trigger warning. Um, you know, you chew on it again, you know, take it back down in your stomach, bring it back up. I mean, this is the sort of thing that we're talking about, is this, this ruminating, this chewing on, because you have to remember that in the beginning was the, and the Word was, and the Word became and lived among us. That's the whole thing right there. John uses that in the, in the very beginning to talk about who Jesus is. Jesus is God's Word in the flesh. We call that the incarnation. The word means to put flesh on. And so, in the Gospel of John, you see this movement. John talks about, and quotes Jesus, talking about seeing and believing, which really means trusting, and it means living out of that trust that we have in Jesus, doing the things of God. It's not believing isn't just some mental ascent, though that may be part of it, but it is really about acting out of this gift that you've been given in Jesus and in God. And so the Word became flesh and lived among us. And so John begins to bring that metaphor of seeing and believing, and now he transitions it to what? Eating and drinking. Chewing on, savoring. The Word made flesh. And so we can talk about that metaphorically in many ways, right? Savoring the Word 
that we have written in the scripture because we believe that even though it's a dead word when it's on the page, it is a living word when, when the spirit comes to us through it. And it, and it wakes us up and it, and, and we keep ruminating on it and chewing it and, and, and pulling from it all the nutrients and, and what we need. It's not just a one-time thing. It's not just, well, I read the Bible once. I didn't really get it, but now I've got it. You know. That's why, you know, for most of us Protestants, most of us, you know, the Bible often has a lot of dust on it because it's not, it's not something that we consume in the way that we consume other books. We're taught in school to basically consume books. We go through them, we take notes, we, we move through them, we move to the next thing. This knowledge builds on that, and so that book goes back there. That might be foundational knowledge, but now we've got it, and we move on. The Bible is not that. The Bible continues, that scripture and that living word continues to speak to us throughout time. And so we have to continue eating and drinking, continue chewing on the word. And, and what Jesus says about that, and even what the Old Testament says about that, is that this word gives life. That there is life in this word that comes from God. That not only does it show us how to live, or at least, or at least help us figure out how to live and, and how to fear God and have that respect and that awe and that wonder for God and to, and to live out of that great faith that we're given, but it also draws, continues to draw us into a deeper and deeper life with God where the things of this world are not as troubling for us. We're neck deep in them. We feel them. We ride those waves, but we begin to have our head up above and we can see the landscape, which is that God is in the midst of everything that is going on with us. And we begin to trust in that foundation as we chew on the word, as we ruminate on who Jesus is, what his life is about, what his resurrection means for us and how it gives us a new life. This word, eternal life, everlasting life, can also be translated the life of the age to come. And, and for much of history, we've translated it as if it is something that comes later. And I think for many people, especially like in the Middle Ages, I mean, when life was, as the famous writer, right, nasty, brutish, and short, there was a lot of value to be thinking of, I'm going to be delivered from this nasty, brutish, and short life. There is a, there is a heavenly place waiting for me, that, that everlasting life that comes, like it, it's coming and it's going to be amazing, golden streets and, and my body and whatever, I'm going to be resurrected bodily and it's going to be perfect and, and all of those things, I can see that. But, but the language, even from the very beginning as the writers captured it and translated it, it really is the life of the age to come, but it, you can have it now. Now and not yet. It's here and it's coming. That we can engage and we can see as we live out this life of faith, we can begin to see the beauty 
in humanity. We can begin to see the beauty in creation in a new way. We can actually begin to see the tragedy of creation and humanity in a new way. We begin to see it with God's eyes as we chew and we ruminate on this word. We begin to see things more as God sees them. We begin to see people more as God sees them. And maybe, most foundationally, we begin to see ourselves as God sees us. Made in God's image. Broken, but redeemed. Holy. A little lower than the angels. Called to do even greater works than our Lord and Savior. And when we chew and ruminate on this word, we we find ourselves inspired. Literally means in the Spirit. The Spirit fills us and we find ourselves inspired to, to go beyond ourselves because we trust God and we believe God and we've been nourished by this word and it leads us forward. In that psalm it says, Fear God. Keep your tongue from evil. Keep your lips from speaking deceit. Those feel like commands. And when we ruminate on this word, when we chew on it and we, we suck the marrow out of it and we, we live with it and it nourishes us, that becomes part and parcel of who we are. We're a lot less likely to speak evil of other people. We're a lot less likely to speak evil of ourselves. We're a lot less likely to talk stuff about other people, about ourselves. We're much more likely to engage in an openness and a way that we can help others, not because we're trying to manipulate them into doing something else for us, but because we want to give this gift of life to the other people around us. And so we engage our work in a different way. We might even choose our profession differently because of our faith. We, we choose to engage our relationships in a different way. We choose to draw boundaries around ourselves in a different way. Not just giving ourselves away and becoming some welcome mat, but, but setting clear boundaries that are, that are filled with love and with hope and with grace, but definitely say, you know, you're not going to trespass on me. I'm not going to allow you to hurt me and use me and... And I'm also not going to do that to you. And so, having this nourishment, having this nourishment fills us and gives us everything that we need for life. And so it is that we come to the table and we remember the feedings that Jesus did. And when we hear those words about, this is my body broken for you, this is my blood shed for you, we, we begin to understand it in a much more powerful way. This is the sustenance of God through Christ, this one who gave his life, gave his very flesh, that we might know this everlasting life, that we might be drawn into it and fed with it in a different way. Those who trust in God 
take sustenance from God's word. They have this life now, this new and eternal life now, and in the age to come. They have passed from death to a new life, and whatever that comes their way, they're able to meet it and greet it, knowing that God is in the midst of it all. This is the living bread that came down from heaven. May we chew it. May we gnaw on it. May we share it with others so that we might be an extension of this living bread that came down from heaven, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen.